Welcome to The Cap, where we are here to speak with college reps and other professionals in the field of college admissions to help answer all your questions and guide you through every step of the process. So if you're serious about college admissions, you've come to the right place. Are you ready? Let's talk about it. And now, here's your host, Dr. John Durante. Welcome to The Cap, the College Admissions Process Podcast. I am your host, John Durante. And I am here to introduce you to college admissions representatives and other professionals in the field of college admissions. Our purpose is to serve you, the students and parents, so that you may gain insights straight from the people who ultimately make the decisions, regardless of whether you will apply to a particular school being highlighted in a given podcast episode you should listen to all of them, as each guest will give you tremendous insight and advice on every aspect of the college admissions process. Lastly, if you have any questions you'd like me to cover on future episodes or any comments you'd like to share, please email me at collegeadmissionstalk at gmail.com. And don't forget to visit our website at www.collegeadmissionstalk.com collegeadmissionstalk.com. So are you ready? Let's talk about it. Welcome to the cap, everyone, the College Admissions Process Podcast. I am John Durante, your host, and I am very excited today to introduce you to Amy Chung, who is the Senior Assistant Director of Admissions at Boston College. Amy, how are you today? I'm doing well. How are you? I'm doing great. Thank you again for being here. We truly appreciate it. So let's start by asking you to tell us about yourself, Amy. How long have you been in admissions and how did you end up in such a position? Yeah. So I started in admissions seven years ago. Um, I grew up in the South Shore of Massachusetts and went to a small private uh, Catholic college called Emanuel College in Boston. I had such a wonderful experience at Emanuel and was involved in a variety of different areas of higher ed, from giving tours of campus, working with the Office of Admission, to student government, and I really found a passion for working in higher education, and then I decided to figure out what exactly was the right route for me, so I started <laughs> talking to everyone and everyone at uh, the, the college at my senior year and saying, what do you do? How did you start doing that? What's your favorite part of your job? What don't you like about it? And I found that admission is the perfect mix of being in a desk position, but also in a people position, right? We get to travel, we get to interact with folks, we get to guide people through the process, but I also have some time for myself to read applications and to get some things um, done in the office. So that's how I ended up here. And I have loved every minute of working in admission. Well, that's terrific, and we are so pleased to have you here today, and thank you for that introduction. What does a typical year look like for a college admissions counselor, and how many applications do you actually review each year? Yeah, so for each of us in admission, it looks a little bit different, but I think what many admission professionals will tell you is their favorite part about our job is that it's very cyclical. Just when you feel like you're at the end of your rope and you can't do the same thing for another day, you get to switch it up. So in a traditional year, the summer months are used for planning and for hosting visitors on campus as students start their college search process. And then in the fall, we usually travel to high schools and college fairs to connect with students and counselors to help them figure out what their best next step is. 
the winter months are great. We hunker down and start reading applications. Um, typically in a year here at BC, each of our counselors reads about 1,700 applications throughout wow. November to March. So we're in the home stretch right now. And then in the spring, we work with students in finding their right fit and seeing if that is our institution. And selfishly, we always hope it is. But knowing that students have a lot of great options in front of them, we host them for visits and, and try to help them navigate that process. Sounds like a lot of fun. And of course, it's always great to help people. So Absolutely. again, thank you for that insight. Appreciate it. With more and more schools going test optional and the ease in which students can apply to multiple schools, thanks, of course, to the Common App or the Coalition App, what shifts have you made in your admissions process with the increase in student applications? Yeah. We are very lucky that we've been able to have our process remain the same and we have a great staff um, and we have great support from our leadership to make sure we're balancing the timeline of applications so every student's file still gets reviewed with the same depth uh, that it did before we saw an increase in applications through Test Optional. What's been most challenging for us is that it makes it so we have so many qualified candidates for a limited number of spots and we offer early decision and regular decision, but don't have an early action process. So the balance for us has been making sure we are admitting really qualified, wonderful students at early decision, but still leaving space open in the class at regular decision for those wonderful qualified applicants that just aren't ready to make that commitment to BC just yet. Uh, but luckily our review process has remained quite the same. We still read every single application and every single piece. So uh, we're very blessed to be able to do that and really get to know our students through the process. Understood. And it was great hearing you just express the overall process. Thank you so much. And what about legacy? Does legacy play a role in your decision-making process? In other words, if a student's parent attended BC, does that help an applicant? Sure. Yeah. So I will always share that you know, legacy admission is part of the factors among many, just like all the other factors in our decision-making process. So if a student is um, a child of a BC alum, it can be beneficial, much like submitting a really strong test score could be beneficial. Writing a really great essay could be beneficial. It's just one factor among many, but can certainly be used as a factor in the process. Understood. And what is the average profile of the current freshman class in terms, of course, of their GPA and other related data you collect, such as SAT or ACT scores? Yes. So for us at BC, our um, average GPA is not necessarily on a numerical scale, knowing that there's a different weight at every different institution that our high schoolers are coming from. But we typically see our students in the A, A minus grade range in the most challenging curriculum available to them. And for testing, as we are test optional, uh, that has really shifted a little bit over the last few years as students are self-selecting to send their test scores. But right now, the middle 50% for our SAT average is about 1410 to 1520, and the ACT is about a 33. Perfect. Thank you so much for sharing that. And so what advice would you give a student if they fall lower than the current freshman class's average, should they apply? 
That's a wonderful question, and I always like to really counsel students pretty individually on this process, but I think if they're very passionate about a school and see themselves there, I absolutely think that they should apply. They should go through the process and share their whole story and their whole picture with us. Students are so much more than just the classes they've taken, the grades they've received, the testing that they've uh, taken, and so we wanna make sure we get to know everything about those students especially over the last two years where there have been so many unprecedented circumstances our students have faced. So if you're really passionate about an institution but think it might be a reach for you, I encourage you to apply and just set realistic expectations about what that admission decision might look like. Well, that's great advice. And I know that BC is test optional, but I was curious if a student chooses not to submit their scores, how does that affect their overall application and are they still considered for merit-based scholarships? So I think it's so funny as an admission professional that when we talk about test optional internally, it's such a great conversation about how much access it provides for students and how much stress that can take off their shoulders. But when you talk to a student or a family about test optional, they seem so stressed about not knowing whether or not to submit <laughs> their test scores. I'm like, we're trying to create more access and uh, sometimes I think it's just another anxiety for folks. But for us, uh, I think it's a great question to ask every institution. For us at BC, if you don't submit your test scores, it's just simply not a factor we consider. It's not even a blip on the radar. We don't speculate on what your scores might be. We do have one merit-based scholarship program here at BC. We are very predominantly need-based aid as we do meet 100% of demonstrated need. But for our merit-based program, you are eligible with or without test scores to be considered. So please don't feel as though you have to submit them or you have to submit something in place of them. We are truly test optional. <laughs> and I truly appreciate that explanation. Thank you so much. Do you conduct on-site interviews with prospective students? And if so, what advice would you give them in terms of their preparation for such an interview? So at Boston College, we don't offer interviews as part of the admission process, but I'm still more than happy to share some advice for interviews for our students, and that is just to be authentic. You want to find a place that's the right fit for you, and in order to do that, you have to be sure that you are representing yourself as who you are, right? You don't want to put a fake picture of yourself out there and get to a space where it's not the right place for you. So I absolutely think um, our students should be authentic, be prepared to talk about their stories and what makes them so great. Often we teach our children to be humble and kind and those are all wonderful things. Brag about yourself a little bit. Tell us what you do and what makes you who you are. Great advice. And if a student does apply early decision, is there a better chance they will be admitted? What advice would you give a student considering applying ED? Yeah. So early decision is a really wonderful program for students who are ready to make that commitment in every facet to a university. And so for us, our acceptance rate at early decision is slightly higher than it is at regular decision. We're seeing that gap in acceptance rate come down a little bit with the increase in applications at our early rounds. Um, but there's certainly an advantage to applying places early decision because we know you're going to commit. We know you're ready to make that commitment to us and that we're your top choice for where you'd like to study. My advice for folks that want to apply early decision is to really make it based on your uh, readiness to commit and not based on the admission rate or 
anything like that because if you're a strong candidate, you're going to be a strong candidate at regular decision or at early decision, especially for us. Early decision is not going to make you a qualified candidate to Boston College if you're not, but it is going to commit you to Boston College. So you really need to reflect on if it is the right fit for you academically, socially, financially, all of those things. I really appreciate the way you clarified that. Again, Amy, thank you so much. And my next question is, what are some examples of college essays that really stuck with you? In other words, when you read them, you thought, I really want to meet this applicant. Absolutely. This is a favorite question of mine because I think there's also this misconception with students that your essay needs to be about something spectacular, something amazing that has happened to you or something traumatic that has happened to you. And I hope students never feel like they have to share personal stories in order to get our attention. Some of the best essays I've read are just essays about life, right? About the recipe that their grandmother taught them and how they... um, have learned a lot from that recipe and how it reflects who they are as a person. I read one, um, I believe it was last year, of a student saying, you know, if the sun exploded, we would have eight minutes and 36 seconds left of life. And what would I do with those eight minutes and 36 seconds, right? And whether that was really what that student would do in the last minutes of their life or not, uh, it really gave a perspective of what was important to them, what they valued in life and kind of what their goals were for the future. And I think those are really the things you want to hit on on your essay, no matter what the topic is. What has shaped you? What are your goals? Because we are trying to picture you on our campus. So have a forward-facing thinking in your essay as well. It helps us to see where you see yourself as we're trying to envision you on our campus. Terrific insight again. And in terms of the teacher letters of recommendation, What are you looking for to help you get a better picture of the candidate, as you mentioned? And of course, are there examples of letters that really stuck out and made an impression on you? So I was an English major in college. To me, a good narrative is nothing, (laughs) there's nothing better than that that keeps me captivated. Um, But I also know that some teachers prefer to write in bulleted style and that's perfectly fine as well. Um, For me, I think the big thing that teachers uh, get hung up on is what exactly they're studying, right? They'll provide me a syllabus or they'll tell me exactly what books were read. And that's not as valuable as sharing an anecdote from how that student worked in a particular group or how that student um, met deadlines for a research project. So I think the teacher recommendations should really focus on not only the challenge of the curriculum that's going on in the classroom, but how the student adapted, how the student interacted with others. Because we want a picture of not only their intellect, which we're partially getting from the transcripts, but also how they're going to be part of our Socratic seminars, how they're going to interact with their classmates. So I think those are really key pieces for teachers to touch on. Thank you for that advice. And how often should a student visit campus? And do you actually keep track of such things? For example, the campus visits or how often they open one of your emails and whether they engage with the email by clicking on any related links. Is this something you track to help see the student's level of demonstrated interest? That is a great question. So at Boston College, we do not track demonstrated interest for a variety of reasons. But if you want to visit campus and get a feel for our community or take, place, uh, take part excuse me, in virtual events, please feel free to do that. Don't feel like you have to fill 
every event that we have so you can stand out and because we're not tracking your demonstrated interest those events are for you to learn about uh, the colleges and universities that you're most interested in but i do appreciate this question because there are many colleges and universities that do track demonstrated interest and so that's a great question to ask on tours and information sessions and one-on-ones as well uh, i in a past life worked at another institution where demonstrated interest played a big role in the process. So uh, it's a great question, but for us at BC, we want you to engage with us because you want to or you want to learn something. Thank you again, Amy, that's terrific. Every admissions officer receives a copy of the prospective student's transcript and of course the activity sheet. What kinds of things are you looking for when reviewing these items? There is no set formula for what exactly we're looking for. And I know that is not what students want to hear. They want to know what the key is, right? What do we want to see? <laughs> but for me and for many admission officers, it's about seeing what you're passionate about. I think there was a large focus, especially when I was applying to schools, of being a really well-rounded student. You felt like you needed to do a little bit of everything, be in every club and organization to show how well-rounded you are. If you're that type of person and you're engaged in a lot of things, that's wonderful. If you've been consistently engaged in the same things for a long period of time, that's also wonderful, right? You've found your passions and the things that you like to pursue. I think just making sure your story is shared with us throughout your application. I like to make note that the same person is going to read the entirety of your application file all the way through. So we'll see your transcript, your activities page, your recommendations, your supplement at, that we require at BC. And so making sure that all of those pieces fit together cohesively to share as much as your story as possible. We know there are limited spaces to do that on the application, but making sure you're taking advantage of every single one of those pieces so we can get to know you as much as we possibly can through the application process. How do you evaluate varying state assessments? For example, of course, New York State has regents exams for all of their students. Your school, of course, is in Boston, right, outside of New York. So how much weight do you put on these types of assessments? It's a great question. So um, reading applications from New York, um, we see the regents exams right on most transcripts. And so we can see those and take them into consideration. But what we're finding is that the transcript in the four years um, of coursework in high school is much more indicative than a regents exam. Uh, for some states, you don't even see those exam scores. So there's really not a uniform way that we look at them they don't play a huge role in the process. I'll share that, right? So if students are stressed about the Regents exams, that we're really looking at the meat of your academic preparation through your transcript and your courses. Terrific, thank you for that insight. Really appreciate it, of course. And lastly, Amy, what other advice would you offer prospective students and of course their parents who are starting the college application process now? This is also one of my favorite questions because I often reflect on myself going through this process with everything I know now. I was that student. My dad had to drag me to a college fair and get me to start <laughs> the process. And it's so funny to kind of see myself in some of those students that we interact with now. My biggest piece of advice is to be open-minded, right? To learn as much as you possibly can to stay organized. Every school has different deadlines, different requirements, different policies, and even some of the policies that sound the same, like test optional, might have different meanings and implications at each institution. Um, same with demonstrated interest, right? Asking the important questions. 
Um, and then the biggest piece I think is knowing that you can ask questions. That's literally what we're here for. Asking those questions. It's okay. Um, and then another piece, I have so much of advice for students is that when you're going on Please tours, keep going, Amy. Please keep going. <laughs> when you're going on tours, we are not evaluating you. Again, we want you to get the most from your experience, to ask the questions that are meaningful to you, to know if our institution will be a good fit. Please don't be nervous interacting with us coming to the tours. Uh, we love to see you, to meet you, and to answer your questions. So that's a big one for me as well. And then this might be more for parents, but having a good understanding of what can change about an institution and what can't, right? So oftentimes we're deterred by things like sticker price, right? But that can change, right? That's something that might change with your financial aid process. Should you absolutely keep realistic expectations in your family and have those open conversations with you and the student to make sure, you know, this is what we're going to need bottom line for you to be able to attend there? Absolutely. That's something that can change. Things that won't change, the location of your institution, right? So thinking about the things that are negotiable and non-negotiable in the process and at what point you would learn about them before making your final decision. Well, Amy, thank you so much for your insight and input. It has been so valuable just hearing you talk about the college admissions process, giving advice to students and their parents while talking about the amazing Boston College which of course is located in the beautiful city of Boston. And by the way, 95% of the freshman class I just read return. So obviously the folks in your office do an, do an amazing job selecting the students that are gonna come to school there, but you do an equally amazing job in terms of making sure that they stay there. So that is a testament to the great work that you and everyone else at BC does. Again, Amy, Thank you so much for your time. I really appreciate it. Thank you so much. And thank you for those kind words. It's truly one of the best communities I've ever been a part of. And it is really a team effort between the students giving it their all and the services that are here for them to take advantage of to make sure that they get what they need to come back to campus and graduate in those four years. So uh, it is truly my pleasure. I hope you can tell how much I absolutely love the college admission process and helping students through it. So. I am so thankful for the opportunity to be on your podcast and to hopefully help put people's mind at ease as they move through the process. And I hope to engage with you all a lot more as you move through the process as well. Well, thank you again so much, Amy. You certainly answered a lot of questions and definitely clarified and put people at ease. Again, we appreciate your time today. Thank you. Thank you for joining us on this episode of The Cap, the College Admissions Process Podcast. We hope you enjoyed the show. If you did, please don't forget to tell a friend and follow us on Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, and wherever you listen to your podcasts. I am your host, John Durante, and I look forward to seeing you on the next episode of The Cap.